Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Live from the Vegas Strip, welcome to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi. Well, these days, coming to Vegas means opportunities for lots of fun. World-class dining, pro sports, outdoor activities, headliners, magicians, and more. But from the early days of the 20th century, the big attraction has always been gambling. Blackjack, craps, slots, and more. And today, it's as big a draw as ever. Our featured guest knows all about it. She's worked in the industry for many years and can teach you how to play the games or work in the casinos. In fact, she can also help you get your own created game on the casino floor if it makes sense. Her name is Heather Ferris and her company is VegasAces.com and you'll meet her in just a moment. It's springtime and in Vegas that means barbecue. Our grill master, Mike Ross of Jesse Ray's, has advice for the season. Your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, is here as well to talk about a must-see act over at the Strap. Mr. Big is here, too, sharing a story about Sinatra. And finally, Hero School creator Tiger Todd is back to discuss how his school can be replicated across the country. Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's go when you think of Las Vegas, you always think about gaming, but there's a lot more to the casino industry than just going in and trying your luck on a slot machine or at the tables. There's a matter of how does that work? Do you want to work there? There's just a lot to it, and we've got a great company that you need to check out if you were really interested in this industry. It's called Vegas Aces Services, and we've got the CEO and founder, Heather Ferris. You can see her all over Twitter. She puts out some great stuff. Heather, uh, welcome. It's fantastic having you on. You've been in Vegas Thank for a while, you. right? I mean, you grew up uh, you grew up there and so forth. Is um, Yep. Was the casino industry always calling you? <laughs> um, yeah, so I was born and raised in Las Vegas, been there for 40 years. I guess I'm showing my age. <laughs> and it's funny because when I was a child, I <laughs> and excuse me for anyone who's a dealer out there, I would look at casino dealers and I would say, no, I want a real job. <laughs> That's not a real job. I want a real job. What are you talking about? So, no, it wasn't actually a calling. It was sort of something that I fell into. You've done a lot of stuff in addition to what you've done there. Have you uh, taught over at UNLV, I believe, and, and worked with some consultants Correct. and so forth? Yes, so I am an adjunct professor at UNLV. I uh, teach the fundamentals of land-based casinos, and it's it's a great job. And I also do consulting as well. Typically, we consult table game inventors. So if you invented a new casino table game and you're trying to get it onto the market uh, in a casino, uh, we would help you with that. Yeah, it's really cool. So let's we'll, we'll do it backwards. We'll start with the inventors. I think that's really cool because you know a lot of people have these ideas. Boy, this game would be great in Vegas because you could bet on it and it would be fun. What do you guys do? Do you go through it first of all and see like, okay, does this even make any sense? And then if it does, <laughs> what are the next steps? 
Yeah, so there are a few guidelines we try to hit uh, before we, let's say, approach a casino and try to sell it to them. Uh, First thing is, when the casino inventor comes up to me, I typically ask him, uh, can you explain your game in between 15 and 30 seconds? We are looking for a simple game, not a dumb game, but we don't want anything complex. If it's hard for the players, if it's hard for the dealers, the game's never going to make it. Um, So there's that. And then we also try to, we do like an elevator pitch, which everybody needs an elevator pitch. And the thing we try to do is we say, it's a mix between this game and this game, because the person already identifies or associates with those two games. They already know those two games. So it's a lot easier to pitch a game to someone when you could walk up to them and say, hey, this game is a, let's see, what would be a good one? (laughs) Now I have to think of a game. Um, This would be a mix between roulette and big six. Okay, well, you know what roulette is, you know what big six is. Automatically, you understand the fundamentals of the game in less than like five seconds. So if you're an inventor out there, you kind of want to go after something that's associated either with blackjack or poker, something that they'll instantly take somebody and then it's like, all right, now here's a little variation on that. Correct. That is typically the ones we see with the most success. If you come up with a game that is very obscure and... Um, I'm thinking of several games, but I don't know if I should say any of their names. That probably wouldn't be good. Um, but basically, if I walk up to the game and it takes you 30 minutes to explain it to me and I'm still walking away like I have no idea what to do, uh, it's not going to work. It's not going to make it. No, that makes total sense because, I mean, I think people sometimes are scared of like Baccarat, for example, which isn't all that complicated, mm-hmm. but they just don't want to learn. I mean, at least like Blackjack, you go in there, you know what 21, and then it's just little variations on what the rules are. (laughs) Right. And it's really funny that you mentioned that because there are some games that would never make it in today's market. If you look at craps, for example, Um, if someone came up to a casino with a game like, hey, I got this great game. It's called craps. There's a million different ways to bet. It's really confusing. You know, it's going to take you a while to learn it. You know, it's definitely a winner. Most casinos would be like, are you kidding me? No, we're not putting that game in there. Um, so, and the reason why craps is so, so successful, the reason why it is in casinos is because these games have been around since the dawn of time. Like craps is a, uh, evolved version of hazard that was around in like the 15, 1600s. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. So it, they have staying power. It's, it's, it's something that people have, we've evolved with as a humanity, as a society, Mm -hmm. and that's the reason why they're in casinos today. Um, But if you try to, let's say, create something like crafts where there's an insane amount of bets, that would never make it. Well, you know, and it's really interesting to me. I've been going to Nevada. I've always enjoyed it. You know, I never was a big player in terms of lots of dollars, but I always like to play around. And I remember, you know, when I first got into it, there were some basics there. You could always find blackjack. You could always, you know, craps, roulette, those things. But I've noticed uh, in the 21st century, we're seeing more and more of these like variations. When I say variations, it's still blackjack, but but now it's another way where we'll have one of the cards up. Or you'll have something where you play the 22, all these different weird things. <laughs> but do you find, because you also help players, do you find that unless you're really into this, that's kind of hard because all of a sudden your strategy that you've been practicing and practicing now goes out the window because the rules changed. 
Um, I, I, I disagree with that. And the reason why I disagree with that, and let me give you, um, let me give you a different example that might put it more into perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Marvel movies. Okay. There are a million different Marvel movies. Why do you need a million different Marvel movies? I mean, it's insane, but there's variations of them. Mm -hmm. There's several different variations and the variations are basically for people who love the game but are bored with the monotony of it, and they want something different. Back with more in just a moment from Heather Ferris, CEO and founder of Vegas Aces Services. For great classic sports, it's sports, R-A-C-X, which is available on radio stations nationwide and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's sports, R-A-C-X, it's short for Sports Rock and Tours. And later today on Sports Rock and Tours, you'll meet one of the finest football writers in America, Ray Didinger, who covered the Philadelphia Eagles for decades and is now just retired. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Mangie, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airlines travel it's that easy so call now and start packing call right now 800-267-1806 800-267-1806 800-267-1806 that's 800-267-1806 you hear mr big every week on this show now mr big invites you to visit him online and save some money all his books are now on Kindle, and he's got a variety of books, fiction and nonfiction, including The Life and Times of Frank Balisteri, books on casino games, and much more. You can buy the Kindle and save even more money. Go to MilwaukeeMob.com. That's MilwaukeeMob.com. That's MilwaukeeMob.com. Man, I had a rough night's sleep. Ugh, boy, Whew. I got a letter from the IRS yesterday and I, I just couldn't sleep. Man, my, I'm dying here. Somebody help me. IRS problems affect more than just your finances. If you're ready to take back control of your life and you owe more than $10,000, you need to call the tax doctor. Their expert staff can immediately protect you from the IRS and state collectors and get you the best possible tax settlement guaranteed. The IRS has recently released new programs geared in helping struggling taxpayers where you may qualify to settle your tax debt and wipe out up to 85% or more of what you currently owe. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call the tax doctor right now. See if you qualify to pay less. Call 800-511-6983. That's 800-511-6983. Again, 800-511-6983. That's 800-511-6983.
You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Heather Ferris, who helps table game inventors bring their ideas to fruition. The company walks inventors through the process and helps them market and place their game in casinos. Her company, Vegas Aces, creates rack cards, table layouts, custom equipment, websites, promotional videos, demo videos, training videos, and training in person. So when you help players, right? I like video poker. I know, you know, a lot of, to the purist that's like, oh, you're playing on machines, but I like it. But it's one of those things when you're used to a particular thing that you like, there's all those different games. It is really hard to go into a, you know, jacks are better or, uh, you know, a wild card, you know, deuces are wild or something, just because it's so much different. Do you think pe- people just can easily make the switch? Or if somebody really wants to get good at these things, should they pick the one they like the best and try to stick to? What do you recommend? I think it's a personal decision. What do you have the most fun with? Uh, again, gambling should be done for fun. Not to pay your bills, not to pay your mortgage. If you have a phone bill you have to pay, please don't go to a roulette table. <laughs> um, but it, it's fun. So what do you want? What do you prefer? If you're there just to make money, uh, then I would suggest going a different route. Um, hard counting, for example. Uh it, there's there's different ways to do it depending on what your objective is. But you know, you mentioned card counting, and I remember oh when I first got into blackjack, you know, in my youth. So I read this book, the Million Dollar uh, Blackjack Player. You know, this guy he was a, a statistician from back east and so forth. You go through what you have to do there, and that's no longer fun. That's a job and a hard job at that. Exactly. Yeah, it is a really hard job. Um, I used to be a casino casino dealer, and we would have professional players on our table who were there every single day. Uh, I mean, I worked nine hours, you know, Uh, and they would be there before I got to work, and they would be there after I got to work, and sometimes they would be wearing the same clothes for multiple days. Um, It's stressful because when your rent is due on the first and you're having a bad streak, there's nothing you could do to change that. Um, So it's a very stressful job. And the thing about card counting is the card counting, believe it or not, actually made the casinos a ton of money. And I know there are a lot of casino managers out there that sweat the money and they freak out about card counters. Um, But the truth of it is, is most people who try card counting and excuse me if I offend anyone, uh, they're not very good. <laughs> so they end up wasting a lot of money and the casinos get that money. So it's actually very profitable for casinos to have card counters in their, their, their casino playing, you know? Um, yeah. And the smartest casino managers that I know are like, yeah, bring the card counters in, sure. Let them play, have fun. Cause, because they know only 1% of those card counters actually like know what they're doing yeah exactly and you always hear those stories and i always thought the casinos kind of put that out there to make it kind of exciting but people wearing disguises and stuff you have to be pretty good because the other thing is even if you are good and you you can win you got to be able to have some day where oh i dropped forty thousand dollars and not go crazy i mean it's a job so that isn't a bad day it's just a day right (laughs) Exactly. Part of card counting, part of being a good card counter is managing your bank and starting with a very large payroll. 
Um, and a lot of people don't realize that they think, oh, I could go to the table with $5 card count and I'll leave like in an hour or two with like a million dollars. It doesn't work like that. (laughs) (laughs) More with Heather Ferris, founder and CEO of Vegas Ace Services, an innovative team of educators, developers, and market specialists. For the last several weeks, Tiger Todd has been sharing his unique approach to homelessness. Now it works in Vegas, but can it be replicated? Well, let's ask Tiger. Do we need to have other Tiger Tods and people like this in different areas? I mean, is this like a system that literally can be taught? But they got to understand the philosophy because it's the same thing. You don't want it to turn into a bureaucracy where here's a checklist of these things you do. You got to kind of get get it. But but if you can get people out there, I could see this thing flourishing all over the country. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. I remember the first, I think it was about 2004, I was in a school and, you know, the principal wanted me back and said, how do we get this to all the kids? And then, but I said, well, you know, I'll do this, this, this. And, you know, me, I saw it as inoculating that those groups of students. But even by 2004, to your 1980s question, and then, of course, you know, the scale of our world today is that she says, well, how does it scale? And I'm thinking, you know, some things are problems to solve. They're not problems to scale, you know? So, so, um, over the time, you know, I started to think, well, how do you do that? You know, you can't, you can't scale Bono and still have you too, right? right? You've got a cover band at the Indian casino, right? right. So, well, you know, right. So, so no, you're not going to replace Robin Williams. Um, you're not going to replace the person with those personalities, but we do have two new, um, We'll call them scalabilities that get that, that get us pretty close. I'll tell you that um, I, I I learned at Disney obviously does a great job at staff development, right? Or right. or you know they they call them um, cast, right? Right. Um, the cast of every Disney park, um, and uh, and that's great, right? Because that's really attitude management. In spite of all those people have to deal with with the very different groups of people coming to a park, and uh, and waiting in lines and uh, whatever. And uh, but uh, what I did, I tried doing for scale, and this is something we could, you know, that's part of our model actually for going to other cities, is that you can find three personalities, right? There's a lot of Disney shows that have three personalities that actually make up one extraordinary, or at least seventy to eighty percent of an extraordinary, right? So you're not going to replace Bono, but you get three different people. Right. And you can get a K-pop group. Right. Right. And so so you could scale because a large group of people in order to move them through in the time at which it takes a hero school at the speed of movies, you have to reach them. Um, We call it shotgun and all. Right. And with three of those people, different people, you're you're likely to reach the majority of the crowd that um, extraordinary individual could do. You know, that's one way. The other way is this German company that came out with um, a whole new level of hologram, right? So we have a model, and you look at 26 different markets. Wouldn't it just be great to do one live hero school in one trained facility? And then you train the leadership at the other facilities how to reinforce it, but you stream in with a live hero school, but it's a hologram of you doing it live for an audience uh, into those facilities, and uh, again, this is a problem to solve, not something to scale, right? We're not turning this into a program. Um, you know, what we're doing is freeing people. We're not, again, we're not controlling people. We're not managing um, a health crisis. We're, we're solving it. Anyway, so that's a, those are ways in which I, I consider doing it. I, you know, there are probably some smarter people than me out there in your listener group that could come up in better ways. 
More with Tiger Todd of Hero School again next week. In the meantime, learn all you can about Hero School, which ignites rapid and lasting change with the homeless, houseless, and hopeless at the speed of movies. All you do is visit heroschool.us. That's heroschool.us. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Mangy, nationwide on the Talk Media Network. Hi, I'm Gordy Brown, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi, and I'm chatting with Heather Ferris, whose company, Vegas Aces, provides consulting, training, and educational services to casino staff, students, gaming industry professionals, and table game inventors. Yeah, that makes a good movie, but not necessarily real life. Exactly, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. One thing I really enjoy about Vegas Aces is this idea of training dealers, and that's something I really wanted to ask somebody about. So you've done it. You help people learn it. I had heard, first of all, and tell me if this is true or not, that the uh, people that hire prefer people that don't know anything so they can just teach them their method. Now, is that true or is that just legend? No, that's actually correct. So you'll see casinos, um, not in Las Vegas so much, but more in like the Midwestern uh, part of America, Eastern part of America. Uh, Casinos have their own training. They have their own classrooms and they'll hire people who don't know anything. And they hire based on personality. I always tell all of my dealers this. You are being hired for your personality. You are being hired to, you know, have a good conversation with the player, to keep things going, to, you know, connect with that person on some kind of level. Because when players are at the table and they're talking with their friends, the hours go by like it's nothing. You know, and you end up spending a ton of money, which casinos love. If you're on the table and you hate your dealer, you're going to be there for 10 minutes before you leave and say, you know, F this place, I'm never coming back. Right, right. And, you know, it's one of those things. There's nothing better than playing there, especially if you're playing like late at night and you have somebody, a dealer, who's just very nice and you can talk about where you grew up or whatever game was playing or whatever. And it does pass the time. And you will go back. I know a lot of people that look for their favorite dealers they want. And that's what bring, breeds all that loyalty. You know, it's something beyond just exactly. a loyalty card, right? <laughs> exactly. You, yep, exactly. And that's and going back to what we were talking about before, that's why people they just bring people in based on personality, based on, you know, how they are with other people. Are they, you know, um, are they a people person? Are they talkative? You know, are they willing to bring you in and you feel comfortable with them? Those are so much more important than can you multiply 35 by five and add, you know, 17 plus eight, which is important. But honestly, you could teach people that. You could yeah. teach anyone that. Well, I was going to ask you about that because experienced dealers, I mean, it's always amazing to me, you know, you have all these different chips and so forth, and 
they can do it. I, I pride myself on being pretty good with numbers, but these guys just can look at it and boom, you know. And I, I is that just yeah. come from practice? Is that where that comes from? Yeah, so there is a lot of at-home practice that players don't see. The dealer has to be at home for hours, not only practicing the math, but also uh, muscle memory. They have to practice handling the cards, handling the checks, you know, cutting checks properly, uh, being ambidextrous. So it's really uh, good for dealers to be able to use both their right and left hand. And dealers have to practice that um, hours and hours. Like I, when I started learning crafts, you have to be ambidextrous because you never know what side of the table you're going to be on. So what I started doing was when I would eat cereal, instead of eating with my right hand, I would try to eat with my left hand. Um, some dealers would try to write with their, you know, non-dominant hand just to try to get that, that going. So there is a lot of work outside of the casino. Yeah, that's really cool. And then that makes a lot of sense. You know, a lot of these games, you know, you talk about craps, you talk about blackjacks. There's a lot of rules and you have to know those rules. I guess there must be kind of a, a fine line or, or a window where you want to enforce those things. You have to. At the same time, you don't want to be like always like, you reminds me of Catholic school growing up where they smack your hand, you know? I remember that. <laughs> ah! So, you know, is there like a middle area there that, uh, that you try to teach people? <laughs> I don't know about a middle area because I actually knew a craft stealer who would take the stick and whack people on the hands <laughs> if their hands were in the, the craft area while the dice were out. So I can't say exactly there is a middle area. <laughs> a lot of gray, a lot of white. There's the scale, of course. Um, you know, casinos don't want the dealers yelling at the players. They don't want the players to have a bad interaction. And if anything happens where it starts to get to that point, that's the reason why boxmen and floor supervisors are there. So they come over, they handle the dispute, they're really professional, they, you know, keep it together. And we try to, as dealers, give the player the most friendly and professional environment possible while they're still losing a ton of money and are frustrated and angry because that's what happens when you lose money. <laughs> How about dealing with beginners? I always think people at the casinos are great because they, they seem very patient with people and so forth. And they really do try to, t try to help you because obviously... If you're having fun, you're going to stay longer. It is part of the dealer's job to teach players, and I think that's where that came from when I created uh, Vegas Aces and the YouTube channel and the videos because I was teaching people how to play the games. And dealers, the first thing they tell you when you're a dealer is uh, you got to learn how to play the game. And if that means sitting at the table and putting $20 down, you're going to learn that game a lot faster when your money is on the line than you are, you know, if you're just at home watching the video. Is the experience any different for somebody, say, that they're going, like, to the strip? So they're going to play pretty much high limits, that kind of thing, as opposed to, like, maybe downtown, some of the older casinos where it's loud, it's a throwback, there's a lot less cash on the table. Is it is that something you have to deal with, or does it, is it the same experience across the board? Well, it's not the same experience across the board, but it's also not the same people across the board either. Mr. Big is back, talking about the vintage days of Vegas, which, of course, means Frank Sinatra. One of our very favorite topics we talk about a lot, Frank Sinatra. Today, one of Frank's favorite girls. Frank Sinatra was a playboy. We know this. We know that he ran through women in, in Las Vegas and Hollywood like to know tomorrow. Especially later in his years, he liked them big, small, any size you get there. But his love of his life... 
as he would tell many, many other people, was Ava Gardner. They loved each other. When they weren't busy loving each other, they're busy fighting each other. Their fights, their loving, made record noises. There was fighting, without a doubt, you knew where they were because they were always making some type of a noise. Now, fascinating to me is later in life, Ava Gardner hooked up with a man, a Hollywood star, that beat her severely. I mean, I don't mean a slap, which is horrific in itself, but went out of his way to hurt her, pull her hair, cause her physical damage, to the point where she would tell her friends that she was worried about her safety. She thought that her husband was going to kill her. Frank Sinatra found out about this from mutual friends. When Frank Sinatra confirmed this was going on, he even talked to Ava herself to see what was really going on, and, he, and she told him he made a phone call to some of his friends in New York City, went to Mrs. George C. Scott, and explained to him, rather simplistic, if he ever laid a hand on her again, they would find him in a trunk of a car. Yeah, Frank Sinatra literally saved her life from being beaten to death by her then-husband, George C. Scott. A man I have a lot of respect for as an actor, but at the time of the situation with Ms. Gardner, he was basically a raging drunk alcoholic, and things weren't going too well. But at least Frank Sinatra stepped up and helped her when few other people was willing to do that. Thank you, Mr. Big. We will hear from you again next week. And remember, you can check out everything about Mr. Big at MilwaukeeMob.com. He's got books on crime and gambling, some great merchandise. Again, it's MilwaukeeMob.com. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a hundred years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorn's Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. Call 800-923-8625. That's 800-923-8625. 800-923-8625. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. By wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetic Health Hotline today and learn about the latest CGM technology. A CGM can immediately reduce pain. It's accurate, easy to use, and help you make better diabetes treatment decisions. And if you have Medicare, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Plus, get free shipping and we'll bill your insurance company for you. Call now to receive your new continuous glucose monitor at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Paid for by U.S. Medical Supply. Call 800-273-2295. That's 800-273-2295. Again, 800-273-2295. That's 800-273-2295.
Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi, and I'm chatting with Heather Ferris, whose company, Vegas Aces, provides consulting, training, and educational services to casino staff, students, gaming industry professionals, and table game inventors. I really recommend everybody go out and take a look at Vegas-Aces.com. And even if it's not for you, you probably know somebody that it would be perfect for. So, Heather, thank you so much. We really hope we can get you on again. Thank you. It was a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you again. Time now for a visit with your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. Today, we will discuss one of the great acts in town that you can see over at the Strap. Another thing you love that, that I think people are going to get excited about because we don't know about it, that's Xavier Mortimer's Magical Dream. You say it's incredible. Why is it incredible? Well, it is. I've seen pretty much every magic show in Las Vegas. That's not this. I think the name is misleading, and I told him this to his face. I said, you make it sound like it's a magic show. It's not really a magic show. There's magic in it. It is a Cirque du Soleil show. It just happens there's one guy in it. This guy actually is a former Cirque du Soleil performer. Xavier Mortimer is apparently his real name. I don't know how you get a name like that. Uh, But I don't think they're doing themselves any favor by having that be the name of the show. It's just confounding and... But what it really is, is this guy is so talented and he is so skilled in all of these circus disciplines, sleight of hand, and he's just, he's really put together a fantastic show. And it's one of those shows that doesn't get a ton of buzz, but it's totally entertaining. It's family friendly, reasonable ticket price, conveniently located. And I just... I think I was just really struck by how original it was because if you've seen one Las Vegas magic show, you've seen them all. It's the same kind of, it's a big prop, we get it, it's a box, it's a tiger, whatever it is, that's fine. But this guy, there's something to it that is subtle and he makes it look so easy. He's probably the weakest part of it is that I I think he's like French speaking and so when he tries to do the kind of patter, it doesn't... It's not the funniest thing in the world, but he gets past it pretty quickly and he goes into another set piece that's just another discipline of whether it's juggling or, you know, he he is a mentalist, he's a juggler, he's a, he's a magician and just a super talented guy. It's him and his assistant and it's 90 minutes of just creativity and just it's so enjoyable to see it and it's so refreshing that it's original and new and if you like Cirque du Soleil just downsize it and it's this guy I highly recommend it well thanks Scott you can see Xavier Mortimer the dream maker at the Strat Hotel and Casino from now through June 8th on Thursdays through Mondays and make sure to visit Scott every day at vitalvegas.com for the very latest on what's happening in Las Vegas Finally, it's springtime in Vegas, which means hotter weather and, of course, barbecue. Our favorite is Jesse Ray's Barbecue, and the owner and grill master is Michael Ross, who's with us today with a few tips. Yeah, so the, uh, on the ribs that we do, pretty pretty fun method is called, they call it the three two one method, um, which is um, three hours in the smoke, two hours wrapped up, and then an hour back in the smoke. So if, if you stick to that method right there, um, it's really hard to mess up ribs. 
us personally and you know i co- i started cooking competition and in competition falling off the bone is not a good thing you know it's a it means actually means the ribs overcooked so really? we we try to uh, maintain that standard to the where you're it's going to pull off the bone it's not going to fall off the bone that's kind of the how we how we sum it up okay so let's start with hamburgers then uh, any tricks okay. for that Hamburgers. So uh, I know I'm not, not on the smoker, so we don't do any burgers or anything. But if uh, if you're asking me for my own personal yeah. uh, touch on burgers, <laughs> so what I, I, I saw this place in L.A. I'm not sure the name, and they uh, what they do is they do like a smash burger, um, but they do onions in it, and like mm-hmm. shaved onions, and then they uh, put the onions over the beef, and then they smash it all together. And then cook it like that um, on the flat top. So that's how I personally do my burgers. I'll take a nice, uh, nice burger and uh, some shaved onions and just smash it all together on a super hot flat top and cook it the rest of the way. That's my that's my that's my burger recipe right there. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay, a big part of barbecue, of course, is pulled pork. And depending on what part of the country you come from, you know, whether it's vinegar based or tomato based, mm. whatever. Uh, what do you recommend for folks that want to try pulled pork? Yeah. Um, so, again, so we'll start with the cooking process. Um, it's always important to cook it um, all the way to, um, we, we usually cook our pork to about 195 degrees. Um, that's when all the all the connective tissue starts to melt and you're able to pull your meat apart. So about 195 is your target temperature, um, first of all. Um, and I, when you're talking about different styles of barbecue, me personally, most of my influence, even though I don't really have a style, is from Carolina. I mm. love vinegar. I love it. And I'm a big fan of mustard also. But vinegar barbecue sauces are my absolute favorite. Uh, I don't think it gets much better than that, in my opinion. <laughs> it's a super easy sauce to make. You know, you're talking uh, vinegar, salt, pepper, some red pepper flakes. Maybe just a little bit of ketchup, just a tiny, tiny bit of ketchup, and that'll kick it into a different region of North Carolina. But um, it's a really simple sauce to make, and man, it just soaks in that bread and complements that pork so well. I just, I love it. It's the best. A lot of people have trouble with chicken, surprisingly. Uh, you know, yeah. it just seems, it, it, what, are the, what are we doing wrong, and what, what, what do we yeah. do to fix it? So the, the chicken is tricky because um, the, the, Basically, the skin, the skin and the smoke and the salt basically turns to leather. You know, I don't know if you make know the leather making process, but it's a lot like smoking smoking animal skin. You know, and kind of hardens it up like that, right? And uh, so it just it just it, 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 that that's the biggest problem with chicken. And that's again going back to the competition roots when they when they judge chicken. They judge you on a bite through skin because then you know they know that you know what you're doing when you know how to get your chicken right like that. So there's a, a number of different ways to do um, to do chicken correctly, and it all depends again on what type of chicken that you're using. So um, if we're talking about boneless, skinless thighs, which are very popular right now, a lot of people just do boneless, skinless thighs now. Uh, you just grill them at a hot heat or even smoke them at a hot heat, 325 degrees. With your favorite rub on them, you get a nice, big, nice, good bark on each side, and mm-hmm. they're just basically grilled. And they, they're amazing to me. That's probably my favorite way to do chicken. So if we're doing more like uh, legs, yeah. uh, bone-in legs or quarters, and you want to do more of a smoking process, the, the temperature is going to be super important because there's a layer of fat 
on the back of the of the skin, right? And this is your problem: is this layer of fat in the back of the skin? That's what hardens up um, if you cook it at a slow heat with the smoke. Um, so, in the, again, going back to the competition world. What we used to do is we take the skin off the chicken and then we scrape that layer of fat off every piece of chicken. It was so annoying and gross. And then you wrap the chicken back up in it, and then it, then you get a real crispy skin because that that's that that fat's not on it anymore, right? Right, right. So we used to do that, but I don't expect everyone to do that. But you know, if you ever wanted to try it, and you can. Uh, <laughs> but um, so we what we do is is that we cook it at a extremely high heat. So if we're doing quarters, um, 300, 350 degrees is your, is your best, your best heat for chicken, 325, 350. If you cook your chicken at that temperature, the whole way, they're going to have a great product. Thanks, Michael. And don't forget, they've got a great deal for you at Jesse Ray's. Just mention Vegas never sleeps and they'll take 20% off of your bill. What a deal. Coming up next to sports rock and tours. Go to Sports R-A-C-X, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X, short for Sports Rockin' Tours. And please follow both Vegas Never Sleeps and Sports Rockin' Tours on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Manji reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Vegas, here we go! Are you being audited and do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Is the IRS threatening to take more of your money? Don't fight the IRS alone. The tax doctor is here to help you negotiate a lower tax bill. The IRS can freeze your assets and seize your bank accounts, but you can stop these IRS actions. The tax doctor will fight for you using industry secrets that can stop any IRS actions, eliminate penalties and interest, and reduce your past tax bill so you pay the IRS less. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call the tax doctor now for a free IRS audit emergency review. Call 800-515-4956. That's 800-515-4956. Again, 800-515-4956. That's 800-515-4956.